Well, it's kind of obvious around here that we are in the midst of a faith-raising campaign called For the Love. I mean, when you came in, you were given free coffee. It says For the Love. There's water bottles that say For the Love. There's bracelets that say For the Love. T-shirts, Jarrett and I match today. We're twinsies. For the Love. We are in a movement of God where we as a church are saying we want to be known for what we are for instead of what we are against in this world. And we want to be a church that is for God's love. That is what we want to be about. And, and I'm so glad that you're here. For those of you that are here for the first time, we love that you're here. We love that you're stepping in uh, to what is happening here for the first time with us. And to those of you in overflow, we're so grateful that you're sitting over there. That is why we are doing this right now. <laughs> That's true. And you know, w- one of the things that this is um, all about, if you, if you want the cliff note version of, of why we're doing this, Kurt said it earlier, we want to be a people that lead, lead the people of this city into a transforming relationship with Jesus. We believe that it's in a relationship with him that we are fully transformed by his love. We are changed. And so we want to help people move into a full life of love, mm. a full life of God's love where they are free from fear, mm. where they are free from fear. And where we find that is in God's love. We want to talk for a few moments about what that life looks like today that's full of love, free from fear, because I think all of us at a certain level want that. We desire that. Look, the truth is you would not have gotten up today and gotten all dressed up if you didn't think that maybe coming here might help with that, that we all have this kind of desire in our soul for a life of fulfillment, a life ultimately that God actually created you to live, a life of purpose and meaning. But I don't know if you're anything like me. I've there are days where I feel like that just seems impossible or it's just out of reach. Maybe you felt at times like you were sort of stuck in neutral. You can't seem to move forward into that life God created you to live. Maybe for you, you feel like you've been sort of circling around the cul-de-sac of comfort for a while now. You want to trust God, but you don't want to let go of your stuff. You know, like I get it. I totally get it. Maybe you feel like you are just at this safe distance from the life God actually intended and created you to live. Like you're on a, like a, a treadmill and the horizon's off in the distance, but you just keep staying stuck, exhausting all your energy and effort, but never really living into the life that God created for you. Anyone ever felt that before? Mm. That longing, that desire? Mm-hmm. All of us feel it in different ways, but I think there's one thing at the core that keeps us from the life God actually created for us to live. One thing that actually keeps us at that distance from the life that God invites you to live with him. And that is, simply put, fear. Mm. Fear, at its core, fear is what keeps you from the life that God actually has for you. Fear is what keeps you, listen, from what God has for you. Have you ever thought about that before? God's already offered it all to you, life with him, life to the fullest. So why don't we ever step into that, accept that, receive that, live into that? I believe it's because of fear. And it looks different for every single one of us that keeps us, that fear that keeps us at a distance. For some of us, it's it's, it's a fear of uh, there not being enough. You're just so afraid that there's not going to be enough. And whatever it is, you fill in the blank. There's not going to be enough money. There's not going to be enough time. There's not going to be enough significant relationships in my life. Whatever it is. Like, have you ever thought about, like, when the bucket comes by and maybe you're someone who's wanted to give, you know, like, you get it. You kind of see that God's doing stuff here. You want to give, but you don't. You ever wondered why you don't? Is it because you're like some terrible, greedy person? Yes, you are. You're a terrible, (laughs) terrible, greedy person. 
Not at all. That's fear. Mm. And it's fear of saying, well, if I give this, there may not be enough tomorrow. Mm. I get it. We all face that. Listen, some of us, your fear is that you believe that you are not enough. Mm. You don't deserve God's love. I mean, you like sneak in here. You don't want God to see that, you know, you actually showed up because who knows what he might do because mm. you're so afraid because of things you've done in your past or things you're caught up in right now. And so you are afraid that you are not enough. And that is keeping you from the life God has for you. For some of you, you're so afraid of being found out. Mm. You're so afraid that they're all going to figure it out one day, that you're not who you say you are on social media. (laughs) They're going to find out that all those things you put on your resume 10 years ago, you never knew, still haven't (laughs) learned. We're afraid of being found out. Some of us, it's for our little private habits or addictions. You're so afraid of being found out, so you work twice as hard to keep life looking like it's normal rather than living in the life God created for you. For me, I face fear of failure all the time. I'm so afraid of failing. Listen, this is, I'm not afraid of it not being good enough. It has to be perfect. And if it can't be perfect, whatever it is, I don't want to do it. See, I've adopted a winning strategy for my life. You can't fail if you don't try. And so I miss out on so much of what God has for me because I'm afraid that I won't do it perfect the first time. Have you ever wondered what it is that you are so afraid of? All of us face fear in different ways, but every single one of us has a fear or fears that are actually keeping you from the life that God has for you. And Jarrett and I, as we stepped into this and as we knew that God was leading us and leading his church, this church, into this next step, I think the first emotion that we both experienced was fear. Absolutely. We were both overcome with fear. I mean, $7 million, that's not like $7. That's mm. a lot of zeros. And I remember when, when the plans were coming back and you know, they were saying, this is what it's going to really take, thinking, wow, that's, that's big. C- can we do that? I remember feeling the fear of what's this going to mean for this church? How are we going to actually invite every single person, 100% of us, to go all in? Because it's not going to happen if we don't all go in on this. I remember really honestly feeling like, okay, I'm there, God. I I will follow you. I will trust you. I will sacrifice. But honestly, I'm afraid, God. I know the kind of leadership that this is going to take. I know what it's going to take from me. I know what it's going to take from Jarrett. God, I don't want our marriage to suffer. I don't want our kids to suffer. Mm. I don't want for the next two years as we're building this transformation ministry center for the movement of God to kind of die inside of me. Mm. I don't want my marriage, I don't want my kids to get my leftover. Hmm. And so I was feeling fear. I I have felt lots and lots of fear. See, fear is kind of consistent in my life. It comes over to my house every single day. (laughs) It's really consistent in my life. Just yesterday, I was meeting with a friend and we were having coffee really early yesterday morning and it's a dear friend, somebody that I care about. I know they care about me. And I was sitting there at the Starbucks waiting for them to come. And, and I knew that we had kind of had, you know, like a few like misses, that we needed to clear a few things up in our relationship. And I was sitting there and I was waiting for them to come. And do you know what I was feeling sitting in that Starbucks? I was feeling fear about our conversation. Oh, how's this going to go? What if I say it wrong? You know, what, what, what if I don't bring it in the right way? And, and so I was sitting there right at my little table at Starbucks and I got out a sheet of paper and I decided to write myself a permission slip. 
Okay? Maybe you've had your parents sign permission slips in your life. I wrote myself a permission slip in that moment. I got out three little sheets of paper and I just wrote, I give myself permission to show up with my heart and my emotions. I give myself permission to show up with my fear right now. I give myself permission to be imperfect and messy. And I just tucked them in my pocket as we had coffee with one another yesterday morning. In fact, this morning, before any of you came to church, I was up in my office and I was praying for, for today and I was praying for you. I was praying for what God was going to do. And I've talked about this before. I experience a lot of fear when I preach. So I grabbed a little sheet of paper and I gave myself a little permission slip today. My permission slip today was I give myself permission to not be afraid mm. as I preach, mm. to not hold back, and to be all of me. Mm. See, I'm very familiar with fear. I'm very familiar with fear. And this is what I've learned about fear in my life, that fighting fear has actually never set me free. Mm. Fighting fear in my life has never set me free. Every time I get into the ring with fear and I kind of <laughs> lace up my dukes and I'm ready to go with fear, it has never, ever set me free. That's because God's path towards setting us free from fear is to not fight fear. Mm. It is to let his love, mm. his perfect love set us free from fear. Mm. Fear is not a fight. Actually, God brings the freedom through his perfect love. Mm. There's a passage that actually talks a lot about this, and it's found in 1 John, where we get to see what it really looks like when we face our fear with God's love. So if you have a Bible, I want you to grab that and open to 1 John. You can grab it. There's one in your seat back, too, so like everyone can have one. You can turn to page 857, 1 John chapter 4 is where we're going to go. And this is actually a, a passage that talks about what Jeannie was just talking about. How do we face fear differently? Instead of just trying to fight it, how has God actually invited us to face our fears? So let me read this to you. And you can read along. 1 John 4, we'll start with verse 16, says these words, we know and rely on the love God has for us. Now, these next three words I want us to say out loud because you cannot hear them enough. So let me start the sentence again, then I'm going to pause, and you're going to say the next three words. We know and rely on the love God has for us because God is love. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in them. That's pretty simple. This is what it's all about. Verse 17, this is how love is actually made complete among us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like who? Jesus. Faced fear completely differently, tempted in every way, but yet knew something at the core of his identity that God actually says is true of you today as well. And so John goes on to write these words in verse 18. There is no fear in love. Yes. But perfect love, God's perfect love, drives out fear because fear has to do with what? Punishment. Of course. I'm afraid of being found out. I'm afraid of being busted. I'm afraid of not being enough. I'm afraid of there not being enough. And that's what fear is rooted in. It's rooted in that. The one who fears is not made perfect in love, in God's perfect love, because that is what drives 
and motivates them. See, what John is saying here is something that's so core and essential to our identity and a relationship with God. And he should know. We talked about this in the first week of this teaching series. He should know. John was one of the first and earliest disciples of Jesus, the only one to actually be with Jesus at the crucifixion as well as with him at his resurrection of the original 12 disciples. And so this is one of the letters that he wrote that became a book in the Bible. And there was a nickname that was given to him by Jesus. I mean, it's about as close as you're going to get to teacher's pet with Jesus. And he gives John a nickname. Does anyone know the nickname that Jesus gave to John? Beloved. Beloved. He called him his beloved. Now, how do you like that if you're the other disciples? Like, oh, that's awesome. You're the <laughs> beloved. Great. What am I? The beliked? What does that even mean? <laughs> He's the beloved. So Jesus says, here's what I want you to know, John. John, you were loved. You were loved. You were loved. You were loved. To your core, you were loved. Hmm. And through all the trials and tribulations of his life, all the fear that he faced, he knew something to the core of his being. I'm loved by God. I'm loved by God, and I know that the perfect love of God casts out any and every fear. It leaves no more room for fear in my life. Love, God's love, reframes my fear. Yes. Completely reframes my fear. Now, I'm wondering how many of you, uh, just by show of hands, were afraid of the dark growing up? Go ahead and raise your This is a safe space. We're not going to turn off the lights while you do that just to <laughs> freak you out. That would be terrible. You'd never come back if we did that. All right. Afraid? Yeah, okay. So some of us are afraid of the dark. All right. So our kids, not as much, but our daughter, Gigi, a little bit, okay? And so one of the things, she has lots of rules and rituals for when she goes to bed and how things are supposed to work and for our lives in general. And so <laughs> one of the things is she has to have her closet door open and the closet light on fully 100%, okay? So it, it has to be totally open, light on. So then we'll do that and we'll do, you know, time just kind of wrapping up the day with her, praying with her. And then when I leave, I'm not, or Jeannie's not allowed to close her bedroom door. In fact, this girl does not close any doors in her life. We wish she would close doors more when she's getting dressed in the morning, when she's going to the bathroom. This girl wants constant connection with us. And so what she says was, you can't close the door, you can't close the door. And so what I have to do when I leave is I go to close the door and I have to stick my hand in to show her and wave goodnight to her that the door is still open. She would have it 100% open if she could. Okay, so that's who she is because there's a little fear, just a little bit around the dark. Now, here's the deal. When she wakes up in the middle of the night and in, in the not-so-dark of her room from a nightmare, what do you think she does? What's the first thing she does when she gets scared and wakes up in the middle of the night from a nightmare? Do you think she sits up in her little bed as a little seven-year-old girl and begins to rationalize her dream and break it down? Mm. Well, that's not possible. How could a giant snake chase me down the street? That, do you think that's... What she does? No, what does she do the second she wakes up in that dark room in the middle of the night? Where does she go? Right to our bed, usually to my side. She comes right in and jumps right in, finds one of us and cuddles up. Why? Because she knows at least if she's with us, she'll be okay. Fear is very real. It just drove her literally out of her bed and into our room. But she knows that if she can be in our presence with us, hmm. she'll be okay because she knows She's loved. This is what John's talking about here. This is what a life that is really for the love looks like. It's that we get, we get that God is with us even in the face of our fear. Mm -hmm. And that not only that, he's not only with you, he's for you. Yeah. He loves you. You are loved, you are loved, you are loved. This completely reframes all of our fears, because we know that we are safe in the presence of God. And that's God's promise to you, actually. Whether you know him or not, he's already made a promise to you. His presence is his promise to you. Yes. His presence with you at all times is his promise to you. 
at all times so that you can actually stand in the face of your fear. And you know what's so powerful, what John is talking about here in 1 John 4, what's so powerful about the love of God, it is so big and so overwhelming and so all-consuming, so unconditional that the only thing that fear fears is the love of God. Hmm. Fear actually fears love. Hmm. Fear, now think about it. That's what our daughter knows. When she's scared, what does she do with that fear? She comes running to us because she knows she's loved. God says, that's my same invitation to you. Fear fears love. When you know you're loved, it absolutely shrinks and changes yeah. your fear. See, listen, the tra- like the, 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 if you were to think about this world, the gravitational pull of this world is always towards fear. Just think about it for a second. Every one of the fears we mentioned a moment ago, the gravitational pull of this world is always to give in to that fear, isn't it? To always let those stories run out of control in your head, to always let those dictate and determine your actions. Just think about the news that you read. Think about the stories that you hear. Think about the world around you. The gravitational pull of the world is always to fear. It's always to scarcity. But the transformational love of Jesus the transformational pull of Jesus is always towards love. Amen. Gravitational pull of this world, always to fear. Transformational pull of Jesus is always to love. He pulls you and says, you're loved, you're loved, you're loved. Mm. And because of my love, you can have hope even in the face of fear. Mm. You can have peace even in the face of fear. You can have purpose even in the face of fear because you are loved by me and nothing freaks fear out more than that. Mm, and I've absolutely loved watching our church go all in with God and say, I wanna be a person. I wanna be a person that stands in the middle of fear and says, no, I'm gonna be about his love. I'm gonna be about his love in this world. And what's been so fun for us over the last few weeks is to connect with different people and and to listen to how God is actually inviting them, inviting them to move out of fear and into love and say, I'm going to be a person that is for the love of God in this world. As, As a church, as we've been asking and believing and committing, it's been so unbelievably encouraging to me to see how the people of this church are saying, I'm going to be a person that is for the love of God in this world. Just this last week, I got an email from a girl in our church, and and I I was blown away. I was blown away by her commitment to say, I want to be for the love of God in this world. She's 16 years old, Mm. 16 years old, and she sent me this email. She said, Dear Jeannie, when I first heard of For the Love, I felt the Lord calling me to give my babysitting money. To give my babysitting money. So essentially, every time I babysit, all the money I make is going to go to For the Love. I haven't even given yet, but the Lord has already and is continuing to do a mighty work in my heart. Mm -hmm. I feel like the older I get, the tighter my grip on money becomes. And the Lord is calling me to hold my resources loosely because ultimately it's all his anyways. 16 years old, she goes on and says, I felt the Holy Spirit last week saying that he hasn't called me to live a comfortable life. I felt his whisper saying, more, more. How can you give more? And see, my, my giving all of my babysitting money for the next two years is generous, but Jesus sacrificed everything for me. And he is calling me to lay down all that I am and all that I have and joyfully give it to him because I know he is a good, good father. Dang. Blessings 
Lindsay Hayes. That's awesome. Isn't that amazing? Now, you better believe I called her to babysit this last yes. week. Yes. We want to help. I really did. That, that is help. the truth. That is the truth. Got my business. It blows my mind how she's saying, I want to go all yeah, in. Ready. 16 years old. Yeah. 16 years old. This is what I want my life to be about. Yeah, and as we've gone through this whole For the Love process, Jean and I really have an unfair perspective. Because we get to see and hear the stories like that and receive emails like that and have people stop us at church and go, okay, you need to know God's messing everything up and tell us their story. And, and this last week was fun as we saw several folks give their commitment early. We're not, commitment Sunday is next Sunday, but folks are already giving their commitments. And there were several who this is the first time that they've ever given to anything before. Never given to church, never given to God ever before. In fact, I was talking with a buddy of mine who's in a similar space and uh, he's, you know, talking about how God's leading him. He's like, ah, oh, this is kind of weird for me because the only thing I've ever given to is I gave like a couple thousand bucks to a political camp, you know, like campaign once and they lost. So I'm like, well, we'll try not to lose. You know, I'm trying to reassure him of that. But we got a, an email in from someone who made their commitment. This is the very first time they've ever given to God before. They face the fear of that, that not being enough, or I don't know, maybe next time, maybe someone else, they face that fear. And they gave. And I want you to hear their heart because maybe some of us, I think, are wired this way and you can relate to this person. This is what they wrote. They said, first sentence, this is my first time giving. This is my first time giving. I'm very practical and an analytical person and it's hard for me to give, to give openly and to give freely. Can you relate to that? This is what they go on to write. I want a return on my investment. <laughs> I want something tangible. If I give you X, I want to see Y. It's just how I'm wired. Respect, I understand. But this is what's so important. This is the first time that I've ever felt called to be a part of something bigger than me. Mm -hmm. Even though I'm fairly new to Soul City, I am so excited to commit to investing not just my money, but myself as mm -hmm. well. Isn't that awesome? First time facing their own fears and giving to God generously. Mm -hmm. So exciting to see. You know, I remember back in the spring when we were first really figuring out that this is what we were to do as a church. Um, we've been praying, actually. This land has been held for two years, and so we've been praying and asking God to lead and direct us and to guide us for the last two years. And this last spring, when we really started to know and we were really clear, this is what God is calling us to do. He's calling us to build this transformation ministry center on this land that he has provided. Uh, the architect that, that drew up these plans actually goes to church here. It's Tim Swanson. And so one of our own designed this church, which is amazing to me. Well, back in the spring when numbers were coming back and, you know, contractors were giving us numbers and we were really clear on, okay, this is what it's going to take. And, and we started realizing, wow, this is big. This is going to be an effort that we all need to go all in on. Like this is not, this is not small. This is going to be an all in effort. Some dear friends of ours that actually helped us start the church, they were down visiting us. See, they, they actually uh, got transferred up to Kohler, Wisconsin a couple of years ago. They were here when we started the church, and they were down, and they were spending a weekend with us, and they were visiting us, and we had just gotten the plans, the very first like architectural plans of what the building was going to look like, and I was so excited. I had a big roll of architectural things, you know, <laughs> underneath my arm. I felt like a new mom, like, look at the picture of my baby. Do you think they're cute? You know, like, and, and I remember like just being so excited, but honestly, so scared. Mm -hmm. 
so scared and thinking, God, can we do this? Like, is this, is this possible? Is this right? Is, is this how you're leading? And I remember on our kitchen table, rolling the plans out for my friends, Dave and Jamie, and just like rolling them out and like kind of stepping back and being like, I hope they like it. And, and, and them both just saying, this is so right, Jarrett and Jeannie. God has been leading. God has been directing. This is so right. And we are so with you and we are so for you. And the very next day after they drove back, they, they sent an email, and I opened up my email that, that morning, and, and this is what they wrote. They said, we love the new plans for the expansion of Soul City. We can't stop thinking about it, and we're so excited to see Soul City continue to be a light in the West Loop and beyond. In fact, we talked at length the whole way home about how we still feel at home every time we're there. We also want you to know that we want to provide every single plumbing fixture for that new building. Kohler, awesome. of course. <laughs> that way, every time you wash your hands or you go to the bathroom, you can remember us. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and I, I emailed them back and I was like, so is like you want a picture of yourself in every bathroom stall? No, is that no, how you want right. this that's to go right. down? And it, and it was one of those moments where I was in the middle of fear and their faith, their faith and their generosity, their willingness to say, listen, we're all in. We're all in. We've got toilets. We've got sinks. <laughs> we've got faucets aplenty. And we are happy to give them. It was a moment for me where their faith, their yes. love yeah. said to my fear, yeah. I've got this. Yeah. God's got this. Yeah. God is in control of this. And so their faith yeah. was actually a gift to my fear in that moment. And we, we actually saw this in such a beautiful and powerful way this last week. Um, you may not know this, but the staff and the elders and the stewardship team and then all of our volunteers and leaders at our church uh, have been in their own prayer process ahead of our church. We, we believe that leaders go first. They should be the first to serve, the first to give. That's just what we believe at our church. And so they went first before you to do that. And uh, they've been in their own process of asking and believing. And then on Wednesday night this last week, we had an advanced leader commitment night on the land that God had already provided for us. And it was a powerful night. This is the first time we've actually been able to worship on that land. And this is how I know that God's up to something because three days before this picture, this is what the land looked like. <laughs> it's Lake Adams right there. And we, we were, I mean, we were ready to walk on water if we had to. We were ready to do what we had to do. And so what was so fun and powerful about this night is that we got to really go ahead and all of these folks have been praying. Listen, we got to have a time of praying. We prayed in every direction of our church to so the north to the east, to the south, and to the west for every neighbor, for every person in this neighborhood. And then our leaders came forward and made their advanced commitment to For the Love, to what God's doing here, to the Transformational Ministry Center that he will build on that dirt right behind you. Powerful night, personally for us as well. Because our little ones, our seven and nine-year-old, Elijah and Gigi, made their commitment to For the Love that night. And I'm, I'm telling you, put pastor hat aside, as a parent, to have your kids love their church. And not only love their church, they're building their church. 
That's how you get emails from a 16-year-old like Lindsay is because of what's happening right now upstairs at Soul City Kids. And we are personally the recipients of their love and their trust in God. It was a powerful time and a powerful night for us. And it has been unbelievable to see behind the scenes how God has already been moving through all of our leaders in our church. And so as Jared just mentioned, there's been a group of people that have been saying, we want to go first. We want to be the first to give. And so over the last couple of months, what's been amazing is that our elders, our stewardship team, our leaders, our staff, other donors in the church have said, we want to be the first that can say, I'm all in on this. I'm all in on extending the love of God. And you know, obviously next Sunday we're going to come and we're going to all give at Commitment Sunday, but I want to let you know what our leaders have already done, what they have already contributed to For the Love. As of this morning at 8.25, five minutes before the 8.30 service, we have pledged $3 million $78,084 to For the Love. That is awesome. Listen, no, no, no. That's not enough. You don't understand how big of a deal that is or what God's done. Your clapping is sweet, but that's not enough. Jeannie, we need to celebrate this moment. It's a big moment. We need it to like dance big... over this moment right now. We need to seriously get down on this. This is amazing what we, God has done. Yes, but we do not have a song for oh, that. Oh, yes, so we we'll... do. Get that started. You already know who it oh, is. Come on, you got to join me in this. I don't Silent want to be the talk. only one up here. Silent talk. Don't and do it for me. Now watch me whip. Kill it. Now watch me nay nay. Okay. Now watch me whip. You don't just go, oh, that's nice, God. Good job. So proud. High five to God. No, you get up and you celebrate what God is doing. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. It's biblical. It's biblical to praise God this way. I don't know if it's in the Bible, but I think it says that we're to raise our hands and praise to our God and lift up a stanky leg unto his name. I don't know if it's in there. It should be. It should be. That's all I'm saying is that it should be. There are so many people that are not coming back to church next week. But there's so many more that will come now, Jeannie. That's what I'm saying. Listen, (laughs) listen, we have been, I mean, praying and praying on our knees, facing our own fear. I'm winded from like a stank leg. (laughs) I should probably work out more. I should work out more, yeah. Listen, we have been amazed at what God's doing. Now, some of you are good at math, and you know as amazing as $3 million is, it's, it's, 
It's not seven. So here's the thing. God is already showing up and he's inviting you to do the same. Mm -hmm. All of our leaders, our staff, our elders, our stewardship team, our staff, all of them said, here's my commitment. How about you? God, what's next? Who's next? This is why this is so important to us. This is what this has been about from day one for us. Listen to me. $7 million means nothing in the grand scheme of God. Bricks and mortar don't matter in the end. The only number, the only number that we care about is 100%. Mm-hmm. We want to see 100% of folks who call God their father and call this church their home. Now listen, if you are here like for the first time this week, we do the nay-nay every week. I just want you to know, <laughs> come back next week and see. But listen, this is not for you. You can just get to get caught up in something that God's doing. How cool is that? For those of us who call God our father and call this church our home, 100% is the number that we have prayed for and asked God for from the very beginning, that all of us would get involved and get engaged and be a part of what God is doing, that we would give 100% of ourselves to God. We would not hold back. We would not cut our faith short or sell God short. That we'd say, God, if you're, if you're leading, I'm trusting. Mm. And I'm actually going to give and respond to you. And that's why next Sunday is so important to us. This Commitment Sunday is going to be a celebration for us next Sunday Because we're going to see what God has done in each and every one of our lives. There's 100% of us say, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. And we still have leaders who are still making their commitments. There's still all kinds of folks in process. But all of us are coming ready next Sunday with our commitment card filled out to say, I am in. I am for the love. I want to be about something bigger than me in my lifetime. And the reason this is so important for us is, and I want to remind this, the, the next Sunday is not about like, you don't have to, I feel like I need to give clarity on this. You don't have to bring your financial gift next week to church. That, like, this is good news. Like, if you show up with two sacks of gold, uh, first of all, well done on finding sacks of gold. Those are very hard to find. Second of all, that's not the point of it. It's to make a commitment, a two-year financial commitment. And even that is a part of the transformational process for us. Because what you're doing is you're saying, God, I am putting faith in your faithfulness. Mm-hmm. Listen, we get freaked out about two-year cell phone contracts, Okay. I get it. This is all part of the process. It honestly is. That you'd say, no, I'm going to commit to this and I'm going to believe that God will provide for me every single step of the way. So I'm going to put my faith in your faithfulness, God, every step of the way for the next two years to actually root yourself to something, Mm -hmm. to work against the trend of our culture, the gravitational pulls towards fear and detachment to say, no, I'm rooting myself in something yes. that God's doing, in a movement of God, mm-hmm. and I'm going to give till every last penny is given, and who knows, maybe I'll even give more. That's what this is ultimately all about. Everything else is easy. It's just, I mean, it's just filling out a card. It's dollars and cents. That work in your heart yeah. is what matters most to us. So we asked some experts who are really good, who actually are giving themselves, we asked some experts to break down how the commitment card part works so that every one of us can take one home this week and can come back ready next Sunday. So I want you to hear from some of our experts on how you can actually fill out your commitment card, and then we'll come up and close. For the love is to help our city. For the love is a two-year commitment. I am for the love. 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 We need you to do three things. Ask. 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 Believe God can do it. Believe. Believe. Commit. It's a two-year commitment. This is the commitment card. After you ask,
ask, believe, and commit. Fill this out. So this is the generosity letter. So should I start over? Sure. Okay. You're either a first time giver if it's your first time giving to Soul City Church. If you're occasional giver, if you're a percentage giver, or if you're a generous giver. Which one are you? Is it your first time giving it? No. Giving money to here? She's a first time giver. So, can I have this pen? So, this is your two year commitment card. How many dollars would you like to give to the church? This is actually going better than I thought. Let me do Okay. I will. Okay, you got two. It's okay, it's me. I will. Wait, they told us to. Then you have to write your name right here, then your address. Once you have both of these sides filled out, you turn it in and it's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. We're asking God. We're believing that he's going to speak to us. And then we're going to commit to doing it. It really is. It's that simple. ABC. We're asking God. Believing that he's going to speak to us. And then committing to do what he asks us to do. You know, John 10.10, it says that there is actually an enemy, a thief. A thief that has come to kill, steal, and destroy. You know how that enemy kills, steals, and destroys? It's through fear. Mm. It's through fear. It's through making us believe that we, we should stay afraid. But the verse, it ends, and Jesus says this so clearly, but I, mm. I have come that you would have life to the fullest. Mm. That you would have life to the fullest. And what we want to say to you today is don't let what you fear steal what you are for. Don't let what you fear steal what you are for in this world. Hmm. Don't let fear have the final say in your life. Because we have a God, we have a Savior in Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit that has come that says, I am for you, yes. I am with you, and yes. it is my perfect love that yes. casts out fear. Amen. This is who Jesus Amen. is. He is the beginning and he is the end. He is the light of the world that casts out darkness. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the mighty Savior. He is the one that has given his life in exchange for your life. He has set you free. He has set me free. He is the Savior of the world. He is the one who heals. He is the one who forgives. He is the one who provides. He is love, and he has invited us to be for his love in this world. And I simply want to say... I simply want to say, what else could you do with your life? Yes. What else could you do with your life? Then say, I want to be for his love in Mm. this world. Mm. And that's the invitation. Mm. That is the invitation to every single one of us today. And so what we want to do is we all are in our own process of standing in, stepping up and saying, God, I'm in, I'm all in with you. 
We actually want to do that right now in response to God to close out our gathering. So what I'd ask you to do is stand up right now, right where you're at. We're going to pray and then just close with a short little chorus. And one of the postures of prayer, if you've been around here before, you know that we do is we open our hands up to God because it symbolizes open hearts to God. So if you're comfortable doing that, opening your hands up to God, would you do that as we pray right now and consider what God is inviting us into together? Jesus, thank you that you are that one. Your death and resurrection, your love is what has set us free. And Spirit, thank you that you are with us at all times, in all circumstances, whatever we're facing, whatever fear may be surrounding us, you are actually here and you are saying that you are with us and you are for us. And thank you, Father, that you're good and you're great. And we see your greatness on display already in and through this church. We see your goodness on display. And so, God, we say may it increase in each of our lives and through each of our lives. May we, each of us, surrender what is ever holding us back from trusting you all the way. Whatever fear has got a stranglehold around our heart, that we would surrender and face that fear with your perfect, unconditional, all-consuming love today. We commit to not letting fear steal what we are for. We are for you. We are for your love. We are for every single person in this city, every person who's been overlooked, every person who's been abused, every person who's been walked on by, every person that thought they didn't matter to you. We say you do. You were loved. May we believe what John knew to the core of our being, that we are loved by you. And may that be what leads us into how we commit our whole hearts and our whole lives to you. So help us now to surrender all, not some, not part, not what's convenient or comfortable, but all to you in your name and for your glory. Amen.